Today's episode on Mind Your Autistic Brain features soulmates on the spectrum, Brooke Flores and Wade Bajeron. I came across their Instagram account and fell in love with this couple. They are so fun. Brooke's writing style as she shares their their mutual late identified autistic journey is incredibly honest and heartfelt. And what they share, I related to so deeply. And just, and they're so fun. They're just a fun couple. If you've tuned into and watched Netflix Love on the Spectrum, you know that this is a really hot topic. If you are in any autism groups whatsoever, you have seen this discussed and brought up this summer. Everyone seems to be talking about it. Everyone seems to be interested in our neurodiverse romantic life, (laughs) which I find incredibly interesting because we are always interested in talking about it. You know, our spouses, our significant others and saying, you know, well, we're both neurodiverse or we're, I'm neurodiverse and my spouse is a neurotypical, you know, where do you differ? Where are we the same? And I think it's sort of a human condition and a human question, you know, that we're so curious about the relationships of others, but I think as neurodiverse people, we're probably a little more interested than the neurotypical person because it is such a challenge for us in general. And when you're late identified in particular, I know for myself that when I looked back on my life before I knew I was autistic and I was evaluating all of my romantic relationships, that was a tough thing. That that wasn't easy. Um, there was a lot of a lot of hurt, you know, on both sides that I inflicted and that was inflicted upon me and all of these kind of things. And it's just, it's part of the process. And it's, it's part of sort of that, that grieving and that processing that you go through when you first learn that you are autistic. And, you know, you, you do move on from that. And we talk about that in our interview that's, that's coming behind this today. You know, Wade and Brooke both talk about how they started going back and evaluating their life, you know, before they knew and having the knowledge and going back and looking at their life and their relationships before now, what did it feel like? And it it is sort of this grieving process. So we really get into some really good juicy content today. So you definitely do not want to miss it and stick around to the very end to make sure that you do not miss the very last question. Because what they share is really going to hit home with you. I, I guarantee you it's going to hit home with you today. Self-acceptance is really tough. And it's the judgments that we have in our heads about what we think we're supposed to be doing. And as we start to peel back these layers, when we do become aware that we're autistic and that we are neurodiverse, we're wired differently, and we're processing our life in our relationships up to the point where we are and we have to catch ourselves because sometimes we still fall into those those traps of thinking of what we think we're supposed to be doing and not really what is our true and authentic self of what we feel we need to or want to be doing. Brooke and Wade are so insightful and this is such a beautiful episode. You're not going to hear some of these things anywhere else but here today. And we hope we're meeting you where you are in your journey. So let's get started. 
Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, I am joined by Soulmates on the Spectrum. They have this incredible Instagram page that you have to go follow. This is Brooke Flores and Wade Bajeron, and they are Soulmates on the Spectrum. Today, we are going to have an incredible conversation about their autism journey. And they're like me. They're not just autistic. They also have ADHD thrown in there. So as you know, if you're like us, your high-speed brain runs, and it runs hard. (laughs) And so today, we're going to be talking with Brooke and Wade, and they're going to be sharing their journey together, their journey together as a couple, and their journey together through discovering their journey along autism, because this was a late-identified issue for them, too. This was opening up an entire world, and these guys are doing it together. So I am so excited to have Wade and Brooke join me today. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi, thank you for having us. Absolutely. So share with us, Brooke, we'll start with you. Share with us your autism story. How did this come into your world? I mean, how old were you? How did you find out or identify that, yes, this is me? And where did you go from there? Great question. So I was 32 when I realized that I was autistic. Um, For perspective, I am currently 32. (laughs) So it was earlier this year. So, and it's really tangled into my story with Wade too, um, where he was a crucial part in making that discovery. So I met my um, now best friend, Leah, back in January, and she shared with me that she's autistic. So it was percolating in the background of, huh, here's a person I can relate to. Uh, This is natural. This is easy. We have so much in common. She just told me she's autistic. And I had considered in the past whether I might be because I think it's a common um, a common situation to always consider everything when you're autistic. Um, <laughs> autism, what is that? Do I have that? Uh, but there's not a lot of representation of women on the spectrum. And so I, I didn't readily realize I'm in that category because um, it can manifest a little bit differently, as you know. And so after meeting Leah, it was, it was really on my radar and I was, I was thinking about things. Um, she diagnosed me with ADHD as well. I didn't know that until this year. <laughs> and, uh, and so then a couple, a couple months later or the following month, they reconnected with Wade. And when we were talking and we could relate to one another, um, and it was this big aha moment of, oh, you think like me, we have so much in common. Um, you see the world the same way that I do. Uh, soon after, I've been processing, processing um, the three of us, Aaliyah and Wade and I, um, a, a few months ago, we're all at Leah's house. And um, I've been thinking about it. And I asked Leah, so do you think that I'm autistic? And that was basically the moment that I was ready to just accept. I think that's what's been going on this whole time. And she she had been waiting probably for that moment. She didn't want to just tell me and scare me or or something. She's like, yeah, yeah, I do. And the three of us kind of acknowledged it together. And you were there too. And we talked about, that was the first moment that that you had told me that you're autistic. And (laughs) <laughs> and so I was like, okay, all of us are autistic and we're here in the room together. So that's, that's kind of where it started for me. <laughs> I love that. And I love that it was through a really good friend and it was somebody that you could connect and identify with. And it kind of takes the scary out of it for us. I think when we have somebody to look at and talk to and go, okay, 
you experience what I experience. This is kind of cool. All right. Now I'm not quite so nervous. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, seeing ourselves in someone, that was the other reason um, I really wanted to start an Instagram or a blog or, uh, you know, some medium to share my story with people because I thought my whole life I was the only person like me. And now I realize it's not the case at all. It's so great to know that we're not alone, isn't it? It is. Well, Wade, what about you? What was your autism discovery journey? How old were you? How did it come about in your world? For me, it never it never even began to occur to me until probably mid-20s. Um, in my early 20s where it was the first time I spent like a lot of time with people who were like diagnosed autistic in their lives where uh, one of them was just very ADHD. They were, they were teenagers, my uh, a little bit younger than one, a little bit younger and one a little bit older than me. Um, one that was like very compulsive and uh, he had like, he couldn't leave the house and stuff. And the other one, he was able to go to school, but you know, he had a lot of social problems and stuff, but I was like, I found that I preferred their company. And then like throughout the years, I was like, I, I, I developed opinions on autistic people. I was like, yes, they're honest. They're like, I was like, they're this, they're that. I was like, I prefer their company because I was very antisocial. I was like, if I'm going to spend time with people, it was to the point where I pretty much had openly said I didn't want to spend time around neurotypical people. They're like, what about you? And I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, neuro, uh, I'm just not like them, you know, but. Um, <laughs> I love that, Wade. <laughs> But when I got to the city, sometimes I'd notice people would kind of assume, but like I wasn't offended. It was like they'd treat me more. Uh, it was like they'd treat me better, like more specified to me because I'm like, well, because they saw that. I'm just like, well, maybe that's when I became more and more like uh, aware that I was like what people saw as on the spectrum. I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely on the spectrum. There's no more fence sitting now. And, and uh, but it hadn't really become uh, anything I spoke, I talked about because uh, I wasn't really, I didn't have anyone I was close to for a long time until Brooke. So now it's like kind of the first time I've ever been to openly talk to it about someone, talk to someone about it. Mm -hmm. I love that you guys have this journey where you sort of started this together, where you were in the same place sort of experiencing and beginning this awareness together. I love that you've got not just, you know, a buddy or a best friend, but you've got this partner that's going through this with you. Have you guys together found that you're having sort of the same uh, experiences and revelations since you're doing this together? Are you guys talking about this? Like, hey, did you have this happen today? No, I hadn't thought about that. Or this happened to me. Are you doing this? And you're like, yeah, do you guys go through that? That's a good question. I went, first? I went through a lot of that sort of thing uh, more theoretically uh, in the past maybe several years. It was like, well, if I am, like I, I do research and I'd notice things. So there's a lot of things that um, that I got like com I got comfortable with, um, I'd say before she did, like, I'm like, no, this is me. And I am like, um, like a lot of masking type stuff. Like I, I really threw that away, like, a not that long ago, but it's been a good bit since I did it all. I was just like anti, you know, <laughs> like, and for her, that's kind of a, a new concept to like, not, you know, cause, uh, 
she's very good socially and very good with people. She uh, she always like brightens up the room when she goes in. You know, I can definitely uh, see that. <laughs> and she's I, very um, sweet. <laughs> I'm like not. I'm like maybe like a good conversation at a party type social. <laughs> like I'm like like depending on the crowd, but <laughs> getting off track there. Well, and that, that is something where we are in different places in the journey. He's right. Where for me, it was this flood of, oh my God, I had never considered any of this. And a flood of, you know, research, uh, hyper-focused on the, on autism, on the community. Okay. Who else is out here? And for me, it was like this social outlet that I was just, um, gearing up for, for my entire life, um, you know, trying, trying to win over neurotypical people and, and learn how to behave like them. And now I'm like, Oh God, I don't need to do that. There's just, there's just all these people waiting for me. We just need hashtag actually autistic and we can find each other. That's, that's pretty cool. It's so <laughs> cool. I agree. It's like, Oh my gosh, people to get me. <laughs> yes. We can have the yes. same high speed conversation and they know what I mean. Exactly, exactly. And so I never, I never considered not masking until this year. And that was something that I noticed about him immediately too, that he is unafraid to be himself. And he, uh, he doesn't mask very often. Um, and he's really comfortable with who he is. He's done a lot more self-acceptance work than I have at this point. And, um, and he was comfortable, you know, with, uh, okay, I'm just, I'm going to stay away from the people that don't get me. And that's, that's something that, um, I never considered until having this framework. And so it's, it's been inspiring to me too. I'm like, I want to be more like that. And I don't want to care, um, you know, whether neurotypical people are judging me. And, um, I think that's great. It's easier when you're an introvert. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, I'm very extroverted. (laughs) I love that. And I love that you guys both see the aspect in the other person. You know, I love that Wade recognizes that you walk in a room and you just light it up. And that's just you. That's your authentic you, Brooke. And I love that you look at Wade and go, Wade, he just walks in and he's him. And that's it. And I, you know, that the authentic, just this is me and I'm not going to put forth any effort or airs. I love that you guys are doing that and that you are recognizing that. And it's kind of bridging both sides of it together. I love that. Man, that is so great. So in this journey together, you guys have really been exploring and talking about a lot of things on your Instagram page. What is it that you guys have seen in your engagement when people are, are talking back to you? What is it that's really resonating with people? What are you seeing? That's a good question. I, I feel like no matter what the topic is, there's people who can say, oh, I relate. Um, I think about it similarly. Or or sometimes people have a really interesting perspective that I hadn't considered or, or they're, um, they bring something different to the table. And so it's, it's just, um, it, it's a very level playing field in terms of conversation now where it's not, 
for the first time, it's not, I have outsiders looking into my life puzzled going, oh, wait, what? That's, that's how it is for you. And now there's other people like, oh, now that you mentioned that, I, I experience things the same way or I experience things in a similar way. So, um, so that's been really cool to, to see that connection. And he's a little bit less involved in the day to day. I, that was something I, I started, um, somewhat impulsively like, okay, today we're doing it. Um, (laughs) I love it. We're just going to jump in and go for it. (laughs) Yeah. And and I just went into hyper-focus mode and I was processing my, my own life as well. So it was therapeutic for me because we are in different places in the journey. So it's been mostly me writing so far and, um, you know, finding a voice, finding a direction, but, uh, what's, You've been you've been following it though. Have you noticed anything in particular about engagement? Nothing in particular. I like the comments. There's often like smileys and hearts. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Okay, so you guys together and individually, what has been the best thing that you've learned about yourself since you started this journey? Since you became autism aware, what has been just like the best thing that you've learned about yourself? Um, For me, it would be um, connecting with others. Um, I've always struggled to connect with others my whole life. And I'd have like certain people here or there that were either autistic or that were just had, they were just really good at connecting with autistic people. And, um, you know, before those people kind of just stood out as what was it about this person or I just randomly meet special people. And then, um, I guess that was something I learned about myself was that in my connection through others, that's kind of what was the common factor. That's what was, you know, making people stand out and become special all these years. I was just like, Oh, well, it's just this I had in common with these people rather than, just wondering and then, you know, hoping that it happens again. <laughs> oh, like, uh, like statistically hoping it will happen again. Like it's randomized who you connect with or. Yeah. Like I, I didn't realize that I was connecting with people specifically because they were autistic or because maybe they had wow. been very close to an autistic person for so long that they were just, you know, already in tune, but that that was the determining factor. You know, it wasn't just, random or some something about me that I didn't know or something that wasn't definable connecting me with people it's it's similar for me so it's it's really made me uh look at every aspect of my life through a new lens um I've basically been replaying 32 years um, mentally for the past few months on a loop (laughs) that's a background job that's currently processing right Right. How about in third grade, that traumatic thing that happened? <laughs> or, um, how is that related to autism? I've done a lot of that myself. Um, it happens less and less the more you do it. But uh, I've, I've gone through that, like just repeating everything in my life. Like, oh, well, how, did, how was this affected? How was this affected? Oh, well, this person behaved this way because of, you know, uh, this. Uh, I was uh, trying to figure out who knew and who did that sort of thing. Oh, I was obsessed with that for a couple weeks. Yeah. I I, who like, knew? Oh my God. They all knew. They didn't tell me. <laughs> yeah. Like it was just some, some like silly mystery novel. And it was just like, like how many, you know, how many, how long did this, did this go on? You know, like if, if just three people knew, but like sure dozens did, you know, like 
Like it's amazing that people kept. It's it's crazy. A revelation. I think that's that's probably the hardest part when you first start this autism journey. I, I remember, you know, the first probably year or two that I worked through my autism journey because you you do you have this whole new pair of glasses and it's like all of a sudden everything that was fuzzy and was underwater comes into crystal clear focus and you see your life and the choices that you made or the choices that you weren't aware of all of a sudden you see what those opportunities were that you just didn't recognize and there's sort of this grieving process that you go through for your former self Mm-hmm. But you also have to bring a little grace and forgiveness into that as you move forward and process it to go, you know, I didn't know. I was doing the best I could do at the time. And, yeah, I missed out on that opportunity. Or, yeah, I really didn't handle that well. <laughs> and I can look back on it and see that it was a complete disaster. And it affected me in a really bad way. And there were bad outcomes. But I'm still here. And as my my friend Diane said, you know, the fact that we are here as adults, we have survived, we have learned ways to adapt and function in the world at this point is astounding. And so I, I had to look at it and go, you know what, I am here and it's okay. Even though those things didn't work out now that I do know and I have this clarity, going forward, it's a whole different world. <laughs> and so it's okay. <laughs> So just know it, it's a process. <laughs> you will get to the other side of it. And Wade's right. It does get less and less. Definitely. I think one thing that's been huge, too, about it has been having words for things that I never had before. So Alexa Thymia, we were talking about that earlier, not having words for our emotions and um, not being able to describe them to others. That was a process I couldn't really describe to people as to why I was having difficulty with that because I'd never heard someone describe it before. And that was the thing when we first met or first reconnected, I should say, um, that stood out to me was he had words for a lot of things that were in my head my entire life that I'd never heard another person articulate. And so hearing him say say it out loud or seeing it written down it related, it, it resonated with me in such a different way. And it's been, um, it's been the same thing since I've immersed myself in the community of, okay, I'm learning all these new words. I understand myself better. And one thing that I can do with that is I can understand my own needs better and better advocate for myself and, and better potentially relate to neurotypical people too, because that's something I always tried so hard at before, tried to be like them. I was always afraid they'd realize I wasn't one of them because I knew I wasn't one of them. I just, I didn't know exactly how or why. Um, And so, so now I can articulate what the exact issue is. I noticed Leah, um, my friend who helped me uh, discover this, she's really good at that. And she's also um, about 20 years older than me. And she was my age when she got diagnosed. So it's also really cool to kind of see other people who have been at this longer, um, the coping mechanisms that we can develop. When I don't have a word for something, I'll just make up some sort of absurd term and then give <laughs> my own like vague definition to it. So like I was kind of good at, good at that like beforehand. I'm just like, oh, well, this, this is just uh, just throw some words out, and, you know, but like you're just too, um, I don't know, graceful for that sort of thinking. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that though, Brooke, because you make a great point. And I think that that's something that all of our listeners here on the podcast can probably really relate to. And I think that it really defines so well what happens along the journey is that all of a sudden we have this vernacular, we have this vocabulary and this language that we never had before. And it's like somebody just took my black and white world and turned it to Technicolor. <laughs> and That's a great description. Yes. And I love that I love that you that you connected with that. And I have because you know I hadn't put words to that myself till till just now really when you said that. Because I have, I've learned so many different terms and things for what I've experienced. I didn't know existed and had their own term, you know, that, and there's so many things that you look at as you're going through the process and you're like, man, I struggle with that, or I don't get that, or this is really hard for me. And to find out, well, the reason you struggle is called executive dysfunction. Well, what? (laughs) So, I mean, just, Uh just those little things and knowing that we're not alone in what we're experiencing. And I love about the way that you write on your Instagram page, the way that you share and the way that you do it in your voice, in your way, connects with the rest of us who feel it and think it in the same way. We just didn't know how to put it into words. (laughs) And so I love that about how you write, Brooke. I really do. Oh, thank you. I'm really excited to have an audience that can relate Well, what has been the hardest part of this autistic journey as individuals and as a couple? Because there's a lot of things that you guys bond on that brings you closer together. But, you know, just like any couple, men and women, we vary. Couples, person to person vary. There's always that thing that, you know, you have to recognize that, well, that person thinks about this thing differently. How have you guys handled that? What's been the hardest part? And sort of what is the solutions or or how you've handled it? Great question. Um, I'll I'll jump in. So (laughs) I would say um, one word, meltdowns. Um, So that's always been a hard part of our journey before we knew that that's what was even happening, Right. Um, and that's, that's something that independent of the relationship, I would say reading more about autism, realizing that that's a shared experience is comforting in a way, but also like, Oh no, you mean I'm never going to be a normal person and I'm going to be doing this my entire life. And, um, so it's, you know, I kind of always hoped maybe I'd grow past that and I never did, but it, it's also okay. Now I can accept that piece. And I would say in the relationship, meltdowns um, can be challenging. Um, and that's something where I've noticed Wade is, is very, very loving and caring with me when I have a meltdown about absolutely anything. Um, even if we're having a fight and that's happened, it's like, we've gotten to a fight that turns into just both of us having a meltdown at the same time because we're so stressed and, um, and he might start having a meltdown first. And once, um, once I started having a meltdown in response to that, and it's like, he just snapped out of it and he, and goes into hero mode and he's just (laughs) like swoops in and, um, puts his arms around me and was just so worried about me above himself. And it was just no one in my life has ever been so loving and caring as, as he is. Um, 
And it, it made me realize I am not um, the same when it comes to his meltdowns. I've been rather intolerant. And maybe, <laughs> maybe it's because I'm newer in my journey and, um, and there's a lot of self-acceptance work that has to come with that. And so he starts having a meltdown. I'm like, oh, well, you better, you better address that. Yeah, you better take care of that. That's... <laughs> Come hug me, but you got to suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what all this is, but you got to get under control. And I was really cold in, in a way that other people have been with me. And I didn't even realize at first that I was doing that. Um, but I, I would respond in sort of a cold, detached way. And so I've just been really working on okay, first I need to do the self-acceptance because if I'm judging myself for having meltdowns, then I'm going to judge him for having meltdowns. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what I'm working through with my therapist is the self-acceptance piece. And then I think that's in turn informing the relationship on, okay, I can be more loving now and I can be more like him because, you know, he's he's leading. That's a, that's a big awareness. And that's that's a huge thing to be able to step back and say, I mean, was this something that, like you became aware that that's how you responded to Wade's meltdowns just sort of on your own? Or was this something like Wade went, Hey, that's you treat me like that. And I don't treat you like that. Or, I mean, how did that come about? Cause that's a really big insightful piece. And I think as couples, that's something that other people could really benefit from, from learning. I think that's more years of groundwork for me. So I've, I've been in and out of therapy since I was about 20, um, had a bunch of different therapists, read a bunch of books about relationships, communication, um, et, et cetera. Currently working with my therapist on the self-judgment prior to meeting Wade. So I recognized it because I was already working on that. And he has said, hey, you're really cold. <laughs> um, and, and so there, there were a few moments where he called me out. Um, and then the rest of the work, I guess, helped me tie it together with, okay, this is the only way to actually stop responding that way, though. If I, if I don't have the self-acceptance piece, then it's not going to – I'm not ever going to be fully accepting of his behaviors. I'm glad so that you encouraged me to, so to, to take care of myself, too. I'm like, okay, I have to do this for, for him now. <laughs> I love that you guys are, are communicating and talking about these challenges as you both go through them. That is such a huge component. And I can only imagine that having the other person, having similar experiences, I mean, even if you're you're both fighting and you both start to have a meltdown, that you can both still come together and resolve that and and be supportive and, and understand the other person's perspective. Man, that has to be just huge. Do you have anything to add to that? Oh, um, as far as like the hardest thing for me that it like, yeah, what's been the hardest thing for you, Wade? Um, it was before I came to like Washington, like, uh, pretty much my upbringing. Uh, my, uh, my sister was diagnosed ADHD and prescribed and the prescription, uh, it just, it, it messed with her. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't yield great results and, uh, my mother regretted it. So um, she didn't want me diagnosed with anything. Uh, my sister revealed to me later that um, it was it was more clear that she was on the spectrum than than uh, our mother didn't want it to be like uh, she didn't want to admit it. In small towns in the South, it's easy to get um, mistreated if you're not neurotypical um, or ostracized or 
And growing up, I had like a lot of distrust in people because I'd find like a lot of neurotypical people, they, it would be like a bit. They would recognize me as, even if they didn't have the terminology behind it, they would recognize me as what I was. And they'd just come up to me and I could already tell them that, you know, because I can always sense when people are lying, it's like just it's really obvious. So, but, you know, it's like a bit, it would just, they come up to me and I'm just like, oh, this person's being nice. And then I hear the tone in their voice and I'm just like, oh God, like they're just, it's again, again. So I, I gained like a lot of distrust in people and um, I would have had a lot, I would have been a lot better off in a lot of ways if I had been uh, where I am now growing up because like, when I came here was the first time I felt accepted at all. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be admitting putting terminology behind it. Like, uh, I can see how that... more ableist. Yeah. It's, it's Seattle is such a progressive city that it's far less ableist, far more inclusive of all kinds of diversity. So it's definitely much easier living here than a lot of other places. Yeah, so the hardest part for you, I'm hearing you say, you know, where I was in the sense that there wasn't a lot of acceptance and the fact that I didn't feel like I could really trust anybody just to be me. Mm -hmm. All the acceptance I've ever uh, lacked in my life, I uh, totally get from her. Like, <laughs> I'm, uh -huh. I'm totally good on acceptance now. I don't need anybody else to accept <laughs> me at all, <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> so you guys have... Just, I mean, oh, you have shared so much today, and this has been incredible. Last question. Together as a couple, answer the question, and then answer the question as individuals. What is the one bit of information that has been the most helpful for you that you want to share with someone else who is just starting their journey or who is also late identified? As individuals, what's been the best tip that you want to share with somebody? And then as a couple, what is it that you found has really helped in your relationship that you found that you want to share with another couple out there? I, I would say it all ties down to the acceptance. Uh, Self-judgment um, has been huge as far as what helps us navigate through life, what helps us navigate this relationship. Um, my therapist has been working a lot with me on when I'm having thoughts like, oh my God, my house is a mess and I'm a bad person because my house is a mess. Somehow I, I leaped there, right? Or oh my I'm gosh, I'm sure you're not from the South. <laughs> I know, right? Um, <laughs> Fun fact, my mom's dad is from like the same area as him. So uh, maybe there's some of that influence there. And my, her mom is British. So yeah, I grew up with a lot of um, a lot of emphasis on domestic things. And I've never been good at them. And so um, learning how to own that just in every aspect of my life and ask myself, whose voice is that? Because I found as an undiagnosed autistic person, I lost so much of my own voice without realizing it, just trying to blend, trying to find acceptance, trying to, um, trying to just exist and barely being able to do that and let alone accept myself. And so, you know, doing that work of analyzing, okay, I'm having a judgment. The judgment is somehow that I'm a bad person because my house is a mess. Um, whose voice is that? Where am I getting that? And and it's mostly my family um, that, uh, you know, told me I was lazy. 
um, when I was a kid. And it's those sorts of things that I'm really hearing when I think that. And so once I understand that, um, working on reframing it as, well, maybe it's okay that my halls um, isn't as clean as other people's because I struggle with that more. And maybe people who come over can just understand that. <laughs> and, uh, and same thing in the relationship of just every aspect. I mean, watching him leave the house um, has been a self-awareness thing with ADHD. We both forget things constantly. So he's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth and um, locks the door. Oh God, I forgot this. And at first I'm just like, oh, this is some self-awareness I wasn't prepared for. I um, love the, the blog post. That, I love the post that you had about when you guys went to go watch the sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> because the whole time I'm reading, I'm like, oh man, I have so lived that. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it just, it's so, we, we just need to kind of, um, take a look at that. And I don't know if we let things like that bother us every day, it's a really miserable, depressing existence of why can't I do this? Why can't I just leave the house? And, um, (laughs) and so, yeah, that's um, like, yep, this is what we do. We spend about 20 minutes trying to leave the house and we still forget things. (laughs) I love it. So Brooke's big tip is to listen to the voice in your head and identify where does it come from? And is it Speaking authentically the truth. Is this really true about me or is this just something that I have heard before? Someone has said to me that I've internalized and I haven't recognized it and then reframe it and shift it to what's really true. I love that, Brooke. That is a fantastic tip. You worded it so beautifully. That's that's exactly it. Thank you. Okay, Wade, you're in the hot seat now, bud. My advice kind of ties in with hers for the first part, as far as um, your truest self, um, like in every situation, no matter what it is, like just how do you feel about something or um, you think, is this me? What is you and what isn't you? And when you find your truest self and you're like, oh, well, this is me, this is distinctly me. Uh, you'll always feel it like it'll be like a shiver or even, you know, you might even cry a little bit if you, if you see your truest self, but that's the only way you're going to be happy, especially if you're, if you want to be like, um, in a relationship. Um, if you're not being your truest self, like unbridled, you're not going to attract someone who fervently loves the, you know, the most, who loves those things about you. Um, you're going to find someone who, I don't, I don't know. Uh, sorry, but that's how you're going to find someone as far as a couple. And for individuals, uh, it's important to find, find cycles in your life that have a, that yield product, um, sorry, that yield positive things like, um, like, um, whenever you do something and you're good at it because you're good at it and because it brings you joy, that's what you should be doing. Um, you're like, when you look, think about your place in the universe, don't think about anything except for that, except for, you being happy except for you being your best self. Um, yeah, there we go. That's it. Oh my gosh. Wade, you just gave me chill bumps. Seriously. Oh my right gosh. That, that is so beautiful. And I think that is, that is probably the hardest part. And like you said, it can sometimes be the emotional part because it's such a release 
And it's such a relief to finally recognize that I'm not being what I think everybody else in the world wants me to be. This is me, and this is truly where I find my joy. And to be able to acknowledge that to yourself and then just exist and, and kind of inhabit it for a little bit, that is, that is some serious, serious advice right there. I mean, gosh, between the two of you guys, this is just, wow, everybody on the other side should just be taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely getting this down. Thank you so much. Wade, Brooke, you guys have been so inspirational. I have loved following your Instagram account, Soulmates on the Spectrum. If you're listening today and you have not checked out Soulmates on the Spectrum, go do it now. Wade and Brooke have some incredible posts. Make sure you go read about their adventure going out to watch the sunrise. <laughs> because there's so much relatable material in there for all of us. <laughs> because we have all lived that day <laughs> in some aspects or another. These guys are sharing their journey as a couple. They're sharing their insights along this autism journey with you, with me, and they're doing it in such a great way where they're being authentic and they're being true. And when it's messy, it's messy, right, guys? Definitely. <laughs> and that's just part of the process. And it's okay to be messy together. And here we're doing it messy together. Thank you so much for joining us on Mind Your Autistic Brain today. Be sure you check our episode next week, always on Wednesday, because it's With You Wednesday. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you.